today on the Emmaus Institute for Disciple Making Podcast. We join Evan Jones in his series, The Gospel, How to Share the Good News of Jesus. Today we'll be answering the question, what is the gospel? I don't even know how I'll get through all of what I've written. Maybe I won't, but that's okay. Um, but let's jump into the what. Uh, I, and I do want to point out, I still see that there's some books over there. That's a gift to you. If you didn't grab one of those books, What is the Gospel? Uh, it's a gift from Emmaus. It's an awesome book. Actually, a lot of what I'll talk about tonight, um, I've pulled from that book, obviously from the Scriptures, but there are a lot of good points in there. So grab one if you didn't, if you didn't get one. But um, There was a question I, I saw in here when I was reading it, and, and it said this, How would you answer if someone asked you, what is this news that Christians go on and on about? And what's so good about it? And he says, My sense is that far too many Christians would answer with something far short of what the Bible holds as the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe they'd answer, and here's a few of the plausible answers. The gospel is that God will forgive your sins if you believe in Him. Okay. Or they'd say something like, the good news is that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I'm sure you've heard some of these. I know I've, I've heard some of these, experienced some of these growing up. What about this one? The gospel is that you're a child of God and God wants His children to be abundantly successful in every way. Some might even know that it's important to say something about Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection. But then again, how does all that fit in? So do any of those ring a bell with you? Have you? I mean, are these things that you're familiar with? You've heard these? I know I heard a lot of these coming out of the Church of God, coming out of uh, charismatic Christianity. This was, this was commonplace, but I, I'm not sure everybody's background. Familiar? Some of these ring true? Okay, good. Uh, well, here's several answers that I'm going to read to you from evangelical websites. So maybe Christian websites are a lot of people who would go on... Um, you know, you, you go online or, or you visit other churches, and these are some of the answers that people have put for what the gospel is. And I'm getting to a point, but I just want to lay these out so that you have an idea. One of them says this, number one, the good news is God wants to show you His incredible favor. He wants to fill your life with the new wine. But are you willing to get rid of your old wineskins? Will you start thinking bigger? Will you enlarge your vision and get rid of those old negative mindsets that hold you back? You know, maybe think, is that the gospel? Is that, is that the gospel that we're, that we're talking about? That's one response from an evangelical website. We got another one here. Here's the gospel in a phrase. Because Christ died for us, those who trust in Him may know that their guilt has been pardoned once and for all, what will we have to say before the bar of God's judgment? Only one thing. Christ died in my place. That's the gospel. And again, I just pose the question, is that the gospel? Number three. How about this one? The good news is that God's face will always be turned towards you. Regardless of what you've done, where you've been, or how many mistakes you've made, He loves you and is turned in your direction looking for you. Now, I have heard, I have heard a, a lot of messages kind of in that arena and in that corner. Again, that's, that's some of my upbringing. I got one more for you, and I, and I know, bear with me. 
Here's the last one. My understanding of Jesus' message is that he teaches us to live in the reality of God now, here, and today. It's almost as if Jesus just keeps saying, change your life, live this way. So are these right? If you were posed, if you have friends, you know, if they're saying, you know, if you have somebody that comes to you and says, oh yeah, you know, I, I believe the gospel, I'm a Christian. Sometimes it's good to maybe ask the question, well, what is it that you believe? Because we've just, we've looked at four different answers from four different, you know, random evangelical websites, but they've all said the gospel was slightly different. And that's why, you know, we, I used an example last week, I think it's important that we talk about it this week, is that we need to recognize what the true gospel is. If we know what the true gospel is, it'll be a lot clearer when something is read or said that is not that gospel. So, and, and, and then in the future, uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some religions as well. Uh, I, I've told you that we were going to talk about Catholicism, Mormonism, and then uh, Pastor Brian will share on the nuns, the agnostics or the atheists. And it's really important that we see, I mean, some of these religions are in the millions or in the hundreds of millions, and they are preaching a gospel that does not save. And that's why it's so essential that we get into this. So um, let's get going. But, but, but even before I jump in that, I do want to think about this. I, you know, I realize this is a class about the gospel. Uh, we have people here who have been in Emmaus for a long time, some for a short time, and we're all at different walks. You know, maybe, maybe there's somebody in this room who says, I don't know if I really know uh, the true gospel. What, is, what, what does it really believe? Or am I, I don't know if I'm saved. I struggle with, I struggle with these thoughts of, am I, am I truly saved? Am I truly a Christian? If that's, if that's you, if that's the case, I want you just to hang in there. That is uh, my hope and desire tonight, that if there is anything that's unclear about the gospel, it will be clear. You will walk away with an understanding, and you'll want to engage with other people. You'll want to talk to other people about what uh, the gospel is. So, um, the word gospel, it actually comes from the Greek word that you, you may have heard this before, euangelion. I am no Greek scholar, so I'm not going to get into any of that. But it literally means good tidings or good news. So if you want a simple definition, it means good tidings or good news. We're going to talk much more uh, in detail about that, but that's where we get the word gospel. Um, if you're like me and you just Google everything, you may have Googled, well, what is the gospel? I'll give you the two the two answers that Google uh, churns out. You might have run into an ep- the teaching or revelation of Christ. Uh, if you made it past the first search result, you may have seen Merriam-Webster's definition, and it says, um, the message concerning Christ, the kingdom of God, and salvation. But I'm going to jump now. We're going to jump to, well, what, what does the Scripture say? That, that's really what's most important, because there's all these different definitions. You'll see billboards. You'll see uh, that there are so many different. And I think the Apostle Paul might lay out one of the, the greatest, um, uh, I don't know, excerpts of the gospel for us to, to read. And he says, um, in, let's turn to Romans, Romans chapter 1. He makes it very clear that the gospel is about God and what God has done. Would somebody read Romans 1? One through six. I got it. Thank you. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, 
Thank you. Appreciate that. And quite honestly, we could probably park all night in just, uh, you know, Romans 1, 1 through 6, and what uh, the Apostle Paul has laid out for us. But, uh, you know, he, he, makes a, he makes a point here that this gospel was promised beforehand by the prophets and concerns God's Son. These are important points for us to keep in mind. I'll touch on some more of that in just a little bit, but it was prophesied. It was known beforehand, and it was spoken of by the prophets. Jesus was spoken of. This good news, this glad tidings that we talk about was spoken of in in the prophets. Uh, I love the way, um, what is the gospel? Greg Gilbert's book says, he lays it out here. He says that having looked at Paul's argument in Romans chapters 1 through 4, so again, we read 1 through 3 uh, over the last week, or if you read it, but in Romans chapters 1 through 4, we can see that at the heart of the proclamation of the gospel are the answers to four crucial questions. And you may want to write these down. I think uh, there's a sheet, and if you, don't, if you didn't grab one, there should be one in the middle of your table with some fill-ins. But there's four crucial questions we need to uh, ask ourselves. The first one of that is, uh, who made us? And whom are we accountable? This is a, a key question to answer. Who made us and to whom are we accountable? Number two, what is our problem? In other words, are we in trouble and why? What is our problem? Number three, what is God's solution to that problem? How has He acted to save us from it? And then number four, how do I, myself, right here, right now, how do I come to be included in that salvation? What makes this good news for me and not just someone else? If I said that too fast and you need one repeated, let me know. Which one? The second one? Sure. What is our problem? In other words, are we in trouble and why? Any others on there? Number three. What is God's solution to that problem? How has He acted to save us from it? So those are the key questions um, you know, we'll go through and look at. But those are questions that, that we need to ask when we're examining you know, what is the gospel. And throughout the, the rest of the night, we're going to focus on really just four, I guess, four words or four terms that, are, that we're going to expand more and more. But this is something that I think that can be used. The method that this book lays out is really four words. God, man, Christ, and response. So as I mentioned, there, there are multiple methods that could be used in sharing the gospel with other people. This is one that we'll use and, and we'll go into in further detail tonight. God, man, Christ, response. So whether we're looking in, in Romans, Acts, 1 Corinthians, uh, anywhere in the New Testament, 
you'll see that some of the earliest Christians, they would use a certain structure in the Declaration of the Good News. They would start, and you may have heard this, sometimes they would start with the bad news. They would, they would talk about where we're at. Uh, and uh, tell me your name again, brother. Russ. Russ, Russ, Russ mentioned that earlier, that, um, you know, sin. He, talk, he talks about the reality that we have all sinned um, and, and brings, in a sense, the bad news. Following that with the good news uh, about Jesus, how he's died, and that sinners might be forgiven through him. So, number one tonight in your sheet, your fill in there, we're going to talk about God the Creator. Any way you look at the gospel, there has to be a great understanding about God. Uh, you know, when we're talking to people about the gospel, they need to understand things about God. There are things that, that they need to be taught about God. And so, I think two of those points um, that you, know, you would, you would want to highlight is talk about that He's the creator of all things. Uh, Genesis 1.1 makes this very clear. You can't, you can't get first, past the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's a, sometimes a good starting point. I have talked with people before uh, right there, talking about God being the creator. And also, number two, He's holy. He's, he's set apart. He's different. He's not like man. Uh, he doesn't lie. He doesn't change. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't do evil. Uh, there's an analogy that I love because sometimes we get so heady about things and, well, you know, I don't believe in God and, you know, there's no proof for God. You know, sign, you know we can get into a lot of these things, but there's a guy that I follow, uh, Ray Comfort. He's an evangelist, a street preacher. And I find it so beautiful. There are times where he talks with people and he'll say, how do you know this building has, you know, how do you know this, this building was, was created and was made? And people are like, well, you know, because it's there. You know, of course it has a builder. It's, the buildings don't make themselves. And so in the same way, um, he'll talk to people and say, well, in the same way, then what, what about mankind? Do you think that mankind just evolved from, from nothing? Do you think that we, we came into being with, with the intricacies that we have, the ability to reason and think, the eye itself, you know, just, just, just the intricacies of the eye and how, how it's able to function? Um, you know, I just, I, I love how he gets in and just, and shares that with people and causes you to think. And I think that's a great way when you're talking about the gospel, just to open up conversation sometimes to talk about and to center it around God. I mean, if nothing else, not even just man, look around at the earth, the mountains, the trees, the dogs, the cats, you know, uh, the birds of the air. All of these things testify that there, there was a creator. You know, the, the, something, something made, something made the, these things. The order, the order that we see in this, in this world, in this universe, these all show that there was a creator, more so than the building that we meet at for church. But yet, it's so clear to us that, oh, of course, the building had a builder. You made a comment last week. Because he created us, he has the right to demand that we worship him. That's right. And I thought about that, and I thought about what if you're talking to somebody that wasn't witness to him. You know, you could ask, you could say, you know, if an inventor invents something, he has the right to the benefits of that creation. If someone creates a movie, he has the right to the financial rewards of that movie. If a woman bears a baby, she has a right to raise that child. That's good. If we build a house, we have a right to enjoy that. We're not autonomous. Correct. But, but, but we have, God created us, so he has a right for us to worship. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And, and I think those are things that, 
to, to Steve's point that when you're talking with people, don't shy away from, from those conversation points. We, we must center it around God, you know, at some point. There has to be a, an understanding of God, and, and, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll add to that. Uh, I just, but I just love the, those analogies. Um, I want to look at Genesis 2. 2, 16 and 17. If you beat me there, you can start reading it. Okay, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we see that in the beginning, God also was giving instruction to mankind. He, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't man laying out all the rules for themselves. God is the creator. He also gave them instruction. And in that instruction, there was one thing that they were not to eat of. Everything else was for them, but there was only one thing that he said for them not to eat of. Um, you know, that, that, that points more to the fact that he's in control. He is the creator. He has the authority. He said we're not autonomous. And I love that word. We don't. We're not autonomous. We're not our own. You know, if you think about it, I don't, I don't create uh, other beings. You know, I, that's, that's something that God, only God has done. Um, let's look at Exodus 34. And I'd like somebody to read 6 and 7. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Thank you. No, I, I, I love this scripture that, you know, God revealing himself to Moses, uh, sharing who he is, his characteristics. And I think there's something that is so important for us to, to hone in on is also in verse 7, who will by no means clear the guilty. He's, he's just. God is just. Yes, he's creator. Yes, he has authority, but God is also just. He does not let people get away with what they have done. You know, I think a lot of times people will look at that, well, you know, God, you know, he's, you know, I, I don't know how he could let all this evil and all these things happen. He's not going to let uh, the guilty go unpunished. And that's part of uh, the proclamation of the gospel. That's part of us letting, you know, people need to understand that. God's not. There will be wrath. There will be condemnation. Uh, but, you know, the good news for us is that uh, we know that He's provided Jesus. Uh, but that, that's a point that just it really stuck out to me when I think about the fact that he, he, made, he made who He was known to Moses, and part of that was, I am just. Um, you know, many people talk about God from afar. We don't really know what He's like, uh, but if we get into God's Word, that's where we're going to find more. And when we have conversations with people, we, we must also use God's Word because that's our authority. That's what we... That's what we stand on. We don't stand on, you know, just arguments, scientific reasoning. You know, sometimes people just want to debate. You may get into a debate with somebody, but if you're not standing on God's Word, that conversation is going to drift. 
and you're probably going to get into all kinds of stuff that you didn't want to. I mean, it's, it will probably happen at some point. But I'm just saying, if you don't stand on the authority of God's Word, that, that's, that's what will happen. Um, I also think, you know, one of the sins that so often gets committed uh, is we can make a God in our own image. You know, if we, don't, if we don't rightly understand God's Word, what He's commanded, we very easily step into this. And you'll find this out uh, the more you share the gospel with people, really the more you examine your own life against the Scriptures, you'll find, oh man, I've done that. I've been guilty of that. So, of course, anybody else. I've seen this a lot watching some of those videos where, uh, you know, maybe Ray will be talking to somebody and, you know, they don't realize that they have broken God's commandments. Like, I, I haven't taken his name in vain. I haven't put a God in my own image. And then he'll use a, a simple example. And, and this is one I think that uh, can apply to our own lives is um, you might say something like this or catch yourself thinking, well, you know, God wouldn't send all of those people to hell you know, all those innocent people like this. I know my neighbor, you know, she's a sweet lady. Yes, you know, she may be Muslim, but she's a sweet lady. And, and you know, and God, well, that's a perfect example of us really creating a God in our own image because we're looking at God as from the vantage point of him being unjust and we're just. So now I'm the person who is the lawgiver. I'm the person who knows what is right and wrong. I know what's fair and, and what's wrong. But we got to keep in mind that God's at the center, and we are not. You know, what we, we, He gave us His commands. He gave us His law, what we call His law, His instruction for our good and for His glory. Not to uh, hone us into this little box where life is miserable, there's no fun. That's, that's not, that was not God's intent. It was for our good and for His glory. Um, and so I'm glad that, that that's not the case. God will judge sinners, and it's important that we remember that the Bible points out that all have sinned, according to what it says in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the measure by which He will judge them is by His law. Um, you know, I think if we look at the summation of God's law, because we could really get into a lot of, of different scriptures, we look at the Ten Commandments. Uh, this is a, a great a great way to apply all of, all of God's law, all of His instruction, is by looking at those Ten Commandments because they really capture the heart of God's law, uh, the heart of His instruction. It's really a good quiz question. You know, no show of hands in here because I'm pretty sure that a lot of us would fail. But if, you were to, if I was to ask, what are the Ten Commandments? How many, I, don't, I wonder how many of us, I don't even know if I would ran through all ten of them right now if I'd get them all right, but do you know the Ten Commandments? These are important for us to know for ourselves, but they're also a good and awesome tool that can be used when you're talking with people sometimes because, you know, they may think, hey, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Well, let's just, let's talk through some of God's commands. Have you ever, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever, have you ever done this? And then pretty soon you start realizing, oh, let's close the book, you know, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not measuring up so good. So get those. If you don't know the Ten Commandments, get those in your heart. That will be on, on my, uh, my study as well. But um, we've got to, in our presentation, we've got to talk about God. We've got to engage listeners um, about God, those who will listen. Some people will walk away. Some people will, will, not, will not hear you out, but it's essential, uh, starting with God. Uh, number two, our second point uh, rests on man, the sinner. So as we just learned, God was and is the creator of all things, including man and woman. In the beginning, He had created Adam and Eve. 
Um, they were there to walk with God in a relationship. This is a king with his servants kind of relationship, not where you know, they're all autonomous and they're all in, in the rightful rule. Um, but life then, you've got to think about it, was very different than today. There was no sin. There, there was no hatred. There was no envy going on. There was no cancer in this world. Life was very different. You could look at it and say, man, life was, life was perfect. Um, they had pleasure, but the pleasure that they have was not making much of themselves. It wasn't running through life and thinking about all of the things I'll just do for myself. They were walking with God. They were ruling over the animals, the creation. This was all part of God's original um, plan. Um, but we also know that God, in, in Genesis, He placed Adam and Eve into the garden, and He commanded them, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. We already looked at that, Genesis two sixteen and 17. Um, you know, we know in, in reading Genesis that there was a serpent that was put into the garden. Uh, the serpent tempted Adam and Eve, started with Eve, but tempted both of them uh, into sin. And I think this is really, uh, this is kind of an interesting point when I was reading through this. You know, he, he tempts them. They eat of the fruit. And if you really think about it, it's like the, the only thing that God has, 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 has essentially held back maybe from them was God Himself. And yet, Adam and Eve were tempted into the very same thing that you and I are tempted in. And every person is, well... That's not enough. I, I, want to be, I want to be the one that makes the decisions over my own life. And I think that's where we have to realize that man has entered into sin. We all, in the same way, just like um, Adam and Eve, have, have desired of our own independence, have desired you know, to eat of the, same, of the same fruit. And as a result, sin came into the world. And the result of sin was death. God, God's Word tells us in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So again, we were reminded that um, the second point, man, the sinner, that will help you, I think, as you're going through. And keep in mind, like if you're, if you're talking to people about the gospel, it doesn't always have to be rigid. These are just to kind of help you. Maybe if you're having a, you know, a conversation, you can think through, these are some of the elements of the gospel that, that need to be shared with people that we need to talk through. And, and have those, um, those kind of questions. You know, there, there's, two, there's two things I want to point out here. Sin always promises more, but delivers less. It delivers death. You know, it always looks, there's a pastor that once said something that really stuck and resonated with me. I've remembered it to this day. He said, the sting of sin is greater than the lure of sin. And that's always the case. Sin may be pleasurable for a season. It's certainly, there are things that are enjoyable about sin. But the sting of sin is worse, is always worse than the lure of sin. It may look shiny, it may look attractive, it may look fun, uh, but we can trust that God wants what's best for us uh, in the end. So as, as time continued, God provided His instruction, His law to mankind through His servant Moses. Sin continued to spread. The law brought the knowledge of sin and declared the consequences for violation of this law, again, was death. You know, if you go back and you read in the Old Testament, you read even the first five books of the Bible, uh, you're going to see that there were always, there were, there were lots of little commands, 
but there were also lots of consequences. There was a lot of bloodshed. If, if you've ever read about the, the sacrificial system, there were animal sacrifices for sin, and this, the, the, the priesthood of God, they were, they were always, on a daily basis, making, making sacrifices to God for sin. So there, there is a consequence for sin. There, there always was a sacrifice, and that's something that we, we need to keep in mind. Sin brought death. And I think many of the people in, in Israel would have had that at front, front and center because as a result of sin, there was the sacrificial system. They would have, there would have been the, the you know, the, uh, I guess the, the, the turtle doves. You would have had bulls. You would have had, you know, lambs. There was, there was so much uh, sacrifice that took place. And again, that's as a result of sin. There is death. Um, I think this is why it's necessary to explain to people what sin is and where they actually stand in comparison to God. Put simply, sin is the transgression of God's law. It's not just an accident. It's, it's something where we violate God's law. We willfully make a decision and say, hey, you know, I, 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 think, I think this way is better. Um, Charles Spurgeon, very famous pastor, um, said this, they will never accept grace until they tremble before a just and holy law. Uh, another pastor, uh, George Whitfield, said that that is the reason we have so many mushroom converts, that is, ones that spring up overnight and disappear because their stony ground is not plowed up. They've not got the conviction of the law. They are stony ground hearers or false conversions. So again, it's important that we lay out a foundation about God and we lay out a, a, an understanding about sin and that there is a separation. You know, you, you don't want to just to, to jump to somebody and just tell them, just Jesus loves you. That, while that is true, there must be an understanding that there's been some violation. Otherwise, what happens is people may be affirmed in a, a lifestyle of sin. Maybe they're living in an adulterous lifestyle. Maybe they're living in a, a, a homosexual lifestyle, whatever it might be. If they're only hearing one part of the gospel, but not realizing that they must come to God, uh, you know, as a sinner in repentance, then sometimes you can affirm them in the same lifestyle that, that they're living. So again, what can be done now? Uh, we've, we've heard, we've heard a, a decent amount about sin here. How does man get out of this death? What hope can he have of getting out of and uh, getting right with God? Uh, if you ask people this question, you'll hear tons of different responses. You've probably had your own responses. Um, I've just listed a few here, but Oftentimes when, when, when people are confronted with their sinfulness, they may say something like this. You know, I really don't do those things anymore. You know, yeah, maybe I stole something when I was a kid, but, you know, I've made better choices. I've turned from that. You know, I don't do those anymore. I pray. You know, I do good works. I give to my church. You know, I, I do good works. These, okay, those are good things. Those are good things. Um, God understands. No one's perfect. You know, He, he gets it. He knows what it's like to be man. But again, those are smoke screens. Those are, those are that's just your defense mechanism. Hey, man, you're, you're getting a little close. I, I'm not that bad. You might hear that. I'm not that bad. You know, there's, there's, there's far worse out there. Yeah, I've done some bad things, but I've asked for forgiveness. Um, while that's good, that still won't make you right with God. That still won't reconcile you with God. And it only leaves us with one thing. This brings us to number three. That only leaves us to one thing. 
What hope do we possibly have? Jesus Christ, the Savior. We, we get to the good news that the only way to become right with God is through Jesus Christ, the Savior. Um, you know, Matthew 1, 21 clearly points this out. I'm going to read it. It says this, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that is so important that we know this was his purpose. This was his calling. This is what he came to do, is to save his people from their sins. This is the hope that we have. It's through Jesus. Um, but I, I do want to ask a question here, because you'll, you'll run into this if you haven't already. Why... Why is Jesus the Savior? Or, or maybe another way, why did it have to be Jesus and not someone else? Because, let's face it, what's that? Yeah, no one else is perfect. And it's impo- I ask the question because it's important that you think it through and that you'll have an answer. Because That's right. Not a way. That's right. Way. And no one comes to the Father but by Him. That's right. And that's good. I'm glad that you have an answer. If you don't have an answer, uh, you know, dive into God's Word. Understand it for yourself. We'll share some more things. But that's, that's truly essential because you're going to hear arguments all the time from people like, well, Muhammad or, you know, whatever else it might be. Well, you know, I, you know, I, you know Buddha, Buddha, whatever. There's going to be other answers. But we know that there is only one God, and there is only one way that, that Floyd just pointed out there. There is only one way to God, and it's through Jesus. You know, another clear reason I think that the, uh, the Bible points out here is, I, I talked about this earlier, that the Bible itself, through the prophets, there are over 300 Old Testament scriptures that prophesied about a Messiah that prophesied about a Savior or, you know, this, this good news. We don't have time to dive into all of those tonight, but those are important. Yes, Jesus said He is the way, but you also have the Scriptures themselves that bear witness that there would be one that would come. There would be a Messiah. I'm gonna, I can list a couple of these Scriptures if you, if you want to look at them and write them down, but we're not going to go to each of them. Um, Isaiah 61.1 is one that you might write down. That's where the Lord is, offers good news to the brokenhearted. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. Genesis 12, 3. This is uh, where he gets into the promise to Abraham. And then another one is Exodus 12, 46. But there is so much there. I, I think I have a book on... Uh, at my house, one of them that goes through all of the, or 300 of the Messianic prophecies. And I mean, it's just, it's amazing when you start going through, I mean, from Genesis, you know, all the way through Malachi, and you look just in the Old Testament, all of the references to the Messiah, and you begin to see like, you know, the math, the math behind one person fulfilling all these, it's impossible. It's impossible that it would be one person. And that's, you know, we know that God ordained this, that God made a way. Uh, for this to happen. 
You know, I bet that most of the, the people you know have probably heard that Jesus died for their sins. Um, some lost people will be able to tell you this, but have no idea the importance or why He did it in the first place. So it's important when we present the gospel that if, if we don't highlight the law of God and the fact that they've sinned against and violated God's law, it will make no sense to them why Jesus had to die on the cross. No sense. Like, okay, why do you have to... Why do you have to die on a cross? If, if, if we only share, oh, you know, Jesus loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. You know, you, you come to Jesus. Your life will be cleaned up. It just won't make, it won't make sense to people. Well, but why did he have to die on a cross? Uh, listen to this verse in John 3, 36. We talked about this last week. But I think it's, uh, it's worth reading again. He says... He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And then there's one other, Romans 5.9. Will somebody read Romans 5.9 for us? Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Amen. And, you know, that's, that's something that, again, many people have heard about what Jesus has done, but I don't know that they know that Jesus' death on the cross appeased the wrath of God that was upon them, that was upon us. And that is so important for us to understand that that's what... Jesus has done. That's what His blood has done, how it's greater than bulls. It's greater than, you know, any, anything else in the sacrificial system. It has appeased God's wrath, His holy, just wrath that will be poured out on sinful people. Um, you know, again, people have heard, God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. He wants you to enjoy Him, have a peaceful life filled with prosperity but again, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't bring people to a reverential fear of God. And I know sometimes it's easy to push, push against that and be like, yeah, but I don't, you know, who am I? Who am I to judge? Who am I to, you know, to tell people? Well, we're, we're called by God. This is what we're called to do. And, and He told us, it's not going to be easy. This is not an easy, you know, don't follow me. You know, if you're looking for the easy life, that's, He said to count the cost. You know, to follow Him, it's not going to be easy, but He will be with us. He gives us a new heart, He gives us new desires, and He gives us the Spirit to fulfill it. But it will be difficult. And so, if you've never heard that, hear it tonight. It will be difficult. Following Jesus will be much harder than not following Jesus. So if you're going to follow Jesus, just know that. But it is the truth. He is the way. And He promises us the support that we need. You know, another, uh, another thing, Jesus' substitute for sinners has quenched God's holy wrath. All that anger, it was quenched. Um, he paid the penalty and the debt that we owed. You might you know, just keep that in mind. He paid the debt. This is what happened on the cross. And he says, it is finished. Christ paid the debt. The debt we owed, sin, was death. Christ paid that for us. Now there's no more wrath. That's something to rejoice about. That's something to, every day to be thankful for. God's not angry with me. I don't have to worry. Man, is He going to strike me down? You know, what's it, what am I going to... If I didn't do enough good today, maybe tomorrow God will be happy with me. Some people go through all of life 
thinking that way. Islam is, is very much like this. I think Jehovah's Witnesses is like this too. Catholicism. There's a lot of, like, if, it's not, if it's not Christ, it's works. It's some other way. And that's what's, that's what's so good about the gospel is Jesus did it all. He paid it all. We don't have to. So how was it viewed before that? Like before, take the people of his time before he paid that price, right? Like you couldn't have this sermon before because he hadn't paid that debt yet. So how did God view the people like before Jesus? Well, you got to keep in mind, and I'm glad we have a pastor in the room so he can certainly step in here if, if need to. But you got to keep in mind, Faith was always the way to God. Pre-Jesus, post-Jesus. And a lot of people today, because I've heard, I've heard similar, a lot of people today will view it as maybe two independent things. That, well, you know, before, but, but what, about, what about the group before? It was always faith in God. Now, you might argue, well, did they have the understanding that we have about Jesus? Did, did, it, did it make as much sense to them? And... I, I think in a lot of ways we could probably say no, but we also know that uh, if we look at Abraham's example, I believe it talks about the gospel was preached to Abraham. Uh, so I don't know what level of detail. I don't know if I can answer, answer that fully, but... I'm just, I was just curious. Yeah. Think about how, you know, I mean, because they, they didn't know all this. I mean, maybe it was foretold. It was, but when it, it's easier for us to believe it because we know it happened, but when it's foretold, it hadn't happened... I don't know. It's just kind of a... Yeah, you know that's that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I could I don't know that I could fully answer it. But isn't that part of the reason why the Jews had all those sacrifices? The law and the walls. That's why and the law. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they and they had. I mean, they had. The thing is, they had these prophecies. You got to think that they had all kinds of uh, teaching in the synagogue. There were all kinds of expectations that the Messiah would come. You know, when Jesus comes on the scene himself, you know, his disciples, many of them are like, hey, the, the promised one has come. So there was an expectation that the Messiah was going to come. He may not have come how they were expecting. They wanted Rome destroyed. <laughs> well, it didn't happen that way. So and I, it might not have answered you uh, fully, but uh, that's a tough question. Thank you all. No, thank you both. I, I, I loved what you said, too, because, yeah, you're right. The Israelites were... They were to be a light to the nations. You know, they were to reflect who God was to the nations. You know, unfortunately, they failed in a lot of areas, like many of us have failed. And if not for Christ, um, that was plan A all along. But yes, yeah, he did. He did. Um, he did choose them to to share. Um. So again, why did why did he? Uh, why, why did he do this? Why, why did Jesus go to the cross? I think we come to one of the most famous scriptures of all time uh, that you have, I am sure and certain that you have heard, but I'll read it coupled John three sixteen and verse 17. Here's the beauty of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And again, that, that's crucial in our understanding. God in His love did this for us. We were condemned. He didn't come into the world to condemn us. We were already condemned. We were already condemned in violation of God's law. He came in His love for us to, to die uh, 
for our sins. Uh, you know, another has nothing to do with, uh, the gospel has nothing to do with acting better or living a more righteous life. It comes apart from the law. Romans tells us this in Romans 3.24, that this is a righteousness that comes apart from the law. So unless you think, oh man, well, I, I just got to be better. This is, this is what natural man would think. I just got to do more. This is what our workplaces train us to do and the world trains us to do. Be better. Continuous improvement. You know, whatever you've got to do, just think it. No, that won't, that won't do any good. This righteousness comes apart from the law. There were some very devout Jewish people in that day that heard truths from Christ that rocked their world. And they were devout. They probably kept most of the commandments on a daily, better than you and I. But there's a righteousness that comes apart from the law. We, we, learn, about, uh, we learn about that even through Melchizedek in the Old Testament. So there is a, there's a, a reference there in Abraham's day of a righteousness apart from the law. Yeah, now that's, that's part of the, the walk that we have after we have been saved, is that we walk in that sanctification. And, and again, it's, it's not that, I, I don't want to get too technical, but we are saved in a moment at time, but our salvation is walked out every day. Where Sanctification is an ongoing process in our walk with, with the Lord. Uh, you know, a couple other points on that, where, while we're still under section 3 there. Um, his death on the cross... That's, you know, Paul says if I, the only thing he's going to boast in is the cross of Christ. That's what we have to boast in. Christ. Christ alone. The only way, the only way I'm made right with God is through what He did on the cross for us. So a question I ask you is, what happened on the cross? What did He do on the cross? And specifically, I'm talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians 5:21. I love this. I love this verse. He says this, "For he has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him." This is part of the exciting, awesome good news. God has made us righteous through his son. There's no other way. Ephesians 1 tells us that we were far off. We were far off. We were away from God. There, there, was not, there was no way for us to get to God. God made a way through Jesus. What He did on the cross. He gave us His righteousness. He took our sin. It didn't even make sense. The love that He has for you and I and what He has done for us is amazing, is awesome, is good news. And this is the kind of thing that I hope that we'll all get excited about and want to tell other people that we don't have to keep trying. We don't have to. You can't do it. You're not going to make your way to God. He's holy. You're not. You can clean. You can try to clean yourself up. You can do all you want. But you can't come to God except through Christ. We boast in the cross. It is foolishness to the world. But you know what? When, when your eyes are open, when you hear the message, the message of the gospel and your eyes are opened, it is glorious. That's what took place on the cross. And His burial and His resurrection are, are, are chief focal points as well. This is, this is where we, we find the term justification. If you've not heard it, it it's coupled with, with righteousness. He's, he's made us 
He's made us right with God. He's justified us. It's a, it's a judicial term. You'll hear it in, in the courts all the time. So what does God require of us? Talk about all this good news. God did it all. But what does He require of us? Number four, there is a response, and that response is faith and repentance. I think Mark chapter 1, 15 sums it up much more beautifully than I could. Would somebody read that for us? Mark 1, 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's it. That's our response. Repent and believe the gospel. There is a repentance. There is a turning. You know, uh, you know some people will say, well, you know, it's just a, a change in your mindset. No, a repentance, there is a, there's a change in your life. Not to say you won't sin at other points in your life, but there is a change in your life. You can't continually just go on and, and live the life of a, of a hypocrite. Repentance is a change. And we believe in the goodness and the good news of the gospel. I like what Greg Gilbert said in his book, and he said it this way. To put it simply, when, it, when, when asked what exactly are we relying on Jesus for, to put it simply, we are relying on Him to secure for us a righteous verdict from God the judge rather than a guilty one. And that is amazing. That's what we're trusting. And we're trusting that when I get to stand before God on judgment day, when I'm standing before him, I'm not going to say anything like, God, I, I, you know, I did, I tried my best. You know, I, I really, I really, I really tried hard. No, we're trusting that that verdict for us is not guilty, is righteous, and God can look at us as right with Him. It's not just a, a hope. It's not just a, well, a maybe. That's what we're, rest, that's what we're trusting in. That's, that's, that's the faith that we're talking about. Um, I guess the last point on this is, you know, how is that good news for you and me? Paul writes again about this in Romans 3 and 4. The salvation God has provided comes through faith in Jesus Christ, and it is for all who believe for all who believe so how does that become good news for me and not just for someone else how do i come to be included in that by believing in jesus christ if you have not if you are here and you have not believed and you've not trusted in him trust in him today there is no magic prayer uh there there is no amount of things you can do trust in the good news that you have heard and god's word tells you that you will be saved if you confess with your mouth if you believe in your heart you will be saved. And that is the good news of the gospel. And again, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, Paul explains his faith is counted as righteousness. That's you and me. When we believe the good news, your faith is counted as righteousness when you believe that gospel. Keep this in mind. It's not our repentance that brings us to God. It is God that brings us to repentance. Some people will say things like, you know, but yeah, I've repented. Like, you know, you might ask them about, you know, well, how are you going to be right with God? Well, I've, I've repented. Well, that's, that's good. We, we must repent. But just keep in mind, God brings us to repentance. How do I know that? Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9 tells us that for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. Both 
Grace and faith are gifts from God, but they are also a prerequisite that we must repent, we must, we must believe, we must trust in Jesus. So I think we're getting, yeah, we're, we're getting closer on time. So I'm going to try to wrap things up here. But I want to try to remind you just in the simplest terms, the gospel is the good news about God, namely Jesus. It is the good news about what God has done to reconcile man back to himself through his big word propitiation, that means appeasement, on the cross. I know it sounds simple. The gospel is simple. But it is something that we must remind ourselves of on a daily basis because it is so easy to enter into trying and striving after God. That's why you see in the letters the Apostle Paul writes. You see the teaching, uh, that, you know, as Jesus teaches people all the time. We must be reminded. Paul had to remind them everywhere to come back to the gospel, to, to meditate upon the gospel, and to believe the gospel. You know, uh, what scripture do I go to oftentimes when I want to be recentered on the gospel, or if I'm struggling, sometimes I'm getting heady, thinking too much into it. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, this is a great reminder. This is a good place if you, if you want to be reminded of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's see. And he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. So there were a lot of eyewitnesses, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul does a recap of the gospel right there. He, you know, he's reminding them of what he's preached to them. And did he go into even more detail? Did he talk with them about God? Did he talk with them about the history of Israel and the Jewish people and God's faithfulness to them? Yeah, you bet he did. But in his recap, he covers those main, those main areas. He kept, cap, captures the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. These are all so essential in our understanding. What was done? What did Christ do? What did He accomplish for us? I want to leave you with just five final points, and then I think we'll, we'll be done with a few minutes left. I'm, there's not a lot of detail to these, but just five points to answer uh, what is the gospel. Uh, number one, the gospel is of God and about God. We see that in Romans 1, 1 through 6. The second point, the gospel is about the grace of God. I mentioned this earlier, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He chose to be gracious. He chose to be merciful. He doesn't owe us anything. This is what God did in His love. He chose to do this. Number three, the gospel establishes God's kingdom. This was foretold, the kingdom, in, in Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14. Number four, it is the power of God for salvation. 
That's Romans 1.16. And the fifth, final point, the gospel is about the righteousness of God. Romans 3.21-26. We covered a lot. I know there were a lot of scriptures, a lot of, uh, of points there. I hope... I hope the gospel message itself was clear to you. Um, you know, we, I've, I've talked about maybe in a nutshell about how, you know, he came to reconcile us. But next week, we're going to jump into the how. We're going to talk more about how do we proclaim. Uh, I'm going to show you a short video clip of, of uh, one of the outreaches that I've seen, you know, Ray Comfort do. I'll share with you some of the methods. We'll talk about fears and objections to the gospel. And... Uh, you know, depending upon when we, when we end, hopefully we can have more Q&A. Maybe we can ask questions, uh, maybe scenarios, situations that you've had when you're, when you're talking with other people. But um, I do have homework, should you want to take that. I would ask that you would pray and ask God for help to share the gospel with one person over the course of the next week. I know we have not gotten into the how. We will get into the how but you still have heard the gospel. You can focus in on this and pray and see if God will put a person. It could be a family member, a coworker. It could be a complete stranger. Quite honestly, I've found that sometimes it's easier uh, with a complete stranger because you know you may never see them again. But um, either way, uh, you know, this, this is the perfect opportunity. We're having these classes. You know, go out there, pray, trust God. I have found that, that in those times where I pray and I ask God, God, please bring somebody. He does. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, like make them go away. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> so, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll, you'll find the same thing. You know, you'll, you'll be in a situation like, hey, I, I don't, I don't want to say anything, God. I don't want to say anything. So be careful what you ask for. But, um, yeah, pray about that. And uh, I think you'll find that, when you have those opportunities, it is some of the, the most exciting uh, times of your life, just getting to share the good news with, with someone else that, that can bring eternal life, you know, if there's nothing else. But um, with that, I think that's it. If, if you have any questions, we have six minutes uh, if you have kids, you know, to go pick up. But thank you all again. Uh, I, I, I thoroughly just enjoyed uh, studying this, sharing on it. 